the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. W262CP, Bayonet Point, WTBN, Pinellas Park. Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. Whenever people are awakened to their need and challenged to change, there's still a tendency to say, it can't be done. It's too difficult. We see the need. I see it now. You've helped me to see it, but it's beyond us. We've already tried that years ago, and, and it was just a horrible failure. Horrible failure. We are surrounded by people. Some of those people are pessimists, and some are optimists. Who do you respect more? One of the things I like about optimists is that they get things done. I made beverage cans for 22 years. We made the cans in factories called can plants. Whenever he heard someone expressing doubt about our ability to get done what needed to be done, one of my fellow electricians would say, this is a can plant, not a can't plant. Before that, I grew up hearing my mother say, can't never did anything. Hello and welcome to Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. When Nehemiah arrived in Jerusalem, it didn't take long to discover that the inhabitants were demoralized. The walls and gates were lying in ruins, and they had been unable to overcome the opposition and get them rebuilt. Nehemiah faced what looked like an impossible task, but he had prayed and he had a plan. Let's turn to chapter 2 of Nehemiah and see how he energized a group of people who had given up. Here's Pastor Steve with the conclusion of a three-part message from Nehemiah. Point number two that you should see is notice that in verse 12 that, that uh, we read this, And I arose in the night, I and a few men with me, and I did not tell anyone what my God was putting into my mind. That when after three days he does inspect the wall at night, he doesn't tell anybody but a few trusted people. It, it's very secretive. Now why? Because he hadn't formulated his plan yet. It would have been premature to share with anybody. He was still gathering data. He wasn't finished with his research. It would have just been premature to bring everyone together and, and share his heart and say, this is what God was putting on my heart when the situation was incomplete. In verse 16, he says, I hadn't told the officials. Now, there's a reason for that. So, uh, so then at night, he went out and he did his homework. He surveyed the, the wall moving from the uh, west, moving south, then to the east. He uh, concentrated on the southern situation or section of the city. And uh, when the rubble was too great, he got off of either his horse or his donkey and he inspected by, by foot and then he turned back. So that's the situation. Now, the principle that we derive from this observation, these observations, is that Nehemiah was careful to analyze the situation before proposing a plan of action to the people. That is a marvelous, marvelous principle. You see, we learn from this that when you tackle an overwhelming task, be prepared. Have a plan. You've got to think your way through the problem. You've got to be aware of the details. 
You've got to be aware of such things as the cost, the manpower, all, how it affects other things. You've got to develop a plan of action based on careful analysis. But uh, that is contrary to the way many Christians in churches operate. That's not the way many Christians approach their ministry. They just see how the Lord leads. Uh, we'll just see how the Lord leads. Oftentimes, you know what that is? That's another way of saying, I'm lazy, but I want to sound spiritual about it. We'll just see how the Lord leads. Well, you know, God is a God of order. He's not a God of, of just see how it works out. He has a plan. He has, he has uh, an, an organized approach. I'm convinced that the reason that some of us are unable to have others catch our vision is that we really aren't prepared when we share our vision. We just perhaps present problems. We don't present solutions. We haven't thought it through. We're just flying by the seat of our pants, going nowhere. And, and we're so nonchalant about sharing with others that nobody really knows what we're talking about. The plan won't come together because we haven't thought of it. We haven't thought it through. Uh, there are some people in churches who just want to come and tell you what the problem is. Listen, I've known about problems for years. Tell me solutions. But there are some who just have problems. They, they do not offer solutions. They have not thought it through. And when you sit down with them and say, well, you, have you thought about this? You, no, I really haven't. That's what, what needs to be done. God honors good organization. God honors, uh, honors it when, when somebody has a goal and somebody's thought it through and somebody has a plan. And, and if you think that's just uh, a, a good businessman, uh, businessman's management, you're mistaken. You read the Apostle Paul's letter, letters and they have continuity. They have a theme. They have a logical order. When Paul wrote uh, his letter to the Romans, um, Paul didn't sit down and say, whatever comes to my mind, that's what I'm going to do. No, it's not like that at all. It's very logical. One thing builds on the next. When he wrote to the Corinthians, it was logical. It all built. It, that's just the way that God leads. They're well thought out, not haphazard uh, kind, of, kind of letters. So sometimes people just don't share your enthusiasm for a project just because you can't unveil that project to them. You've got, you've got some vague notion of what ought to be done up here, but you're not bringing it down here. You come, for example, to an elder with a suggestion for a ministry, analyze it. You do the analyzing before. What will it cost? What manpower, time involvement, personnel? What goals do you have? What are you trying to accomplish? What are you trying? How does it fit in the overall scheme of things? Then you get a better reception. You know what you're talking about. So think things through. Do your homework. Know what you're talking about. It's, and that is, that is biblical. It's also a sound uh, principle of management, and they've just gotten it from the, from the Bible, and, and uh, it just works. It's right. God's people, though, are sometimes too spiritually minded, quote unquote, to put this into effect. Jesus said to be wise as serpents, to be wise as, as serpents, harmless as doves. So, I wonder if you're thinking about something new, if something's on your heart, don't be premature in it. Think it through, gather the facts. Know where you're going with this and then speak to the appropriate people. So the first, and that would, be a, that would apply with the family too. You, you want to do something. Let's say the man of the house says, I want to, I want to lead in devotions. We've been lax in, in having devotions in our family and I want to lead it. Well, think it through. When are you going to do this? How long are you going to do it? Are you going to bore everybody with an hour of devotion? Are you going to do it every night? How are you going to hold the interests of, of your children? You've got some who might be uh, teenagers, some who are real young. What materials are you going to use? What time of the day? Don't do it when everybody's rushing out the door uh, or wanting to. 
These are the things that we're talking about. That's just real practical. Real practical. So the first two steps in tackling an overwhelming task. Number one, anticipate the opposition. It's going to be there. Number two, analyze the situation. The third step in tackling an overwhelming task is awaken others to their need. You awaken them. And we obviously understand the Holy Spirit has to do this work, but you be the instrument, and there are some principles here. Verse 17, then I said to them, who's the them? The Jewish people, the nobles. He was just talking about the people who are going to be involved in the building project. Then I said to them, you see the bad situation we are in, that Jerusalem is desolate and its gates are burned by fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. Now, only after Nehemiah had assembled the facts and uh, developed a workable plan does he gather the people around him and, and speak to them. Now, this is where it gets very interesting for those of us who have been involved in, in knowing the frustration and the pure exasperation of telling people what's on our hearts, what we believe God is leading us to do, and we get those blank stares. You can appeal. You can uh, threaten people. You can uh, act with authority. Nehemiah could have done that. Could have said, hey, who's the governor here? You can uh, have a hissy fit. You can intimidate. You can threaten. But none of that works. None of that works. That will not internally motivate anybody. Oh, it might work for a little while, but ultimately they're, they're going to burn out. Uh, but you can try and do that, and they won't, people will not be convinced. You do not motivate people and arouse them to the work that way. Nehemiah did none of those things. Instead, he focused, first of all, on their real problem. Their real problem. He said in verse 17, he starts off by telling them, he said, we have a bad situation here. We're a reproach to these people. They laugh at us. What was he doing? He was telling them, we have a problem. This is the real problem. It isn't that you're just not protected. It, it, it isn't that you go to sleep at night and, and you, know, you don't know if, if anybody's going to invade the city. It's that... God is being mocked. It's of a spiritual nature. We are, he said, a reproach. We're bringing disgrace upon the Lord by our enemies. They laugh at us. They mock us and they mock our God. He said, that's a bad situation. That's a problem. You see, these people had lived under the present condition so long that they become apathetic. They were used to it. And Nehemiah came along and awakened them to their real need he said, let's rebuild the, the wall for the glory of God. That's the real need. Now, here's a tremendous principle. The way to stir others, and we're talking now in a spiritual context, the way to stir others to action is by telling them the truth about their real need. Some people don't know the situation. They are very comfortable. Churches are infamous, for that, real comfortable. They don't like anybody who's going to disrupt the status quo. They're very comfortable. We've done it this way for years, and we'll continue to do it for years. Well, if Nehemiah believed that, nothing would have ever gotten done. We've tended to grow used to the way things are, and uh, we don't often see an accurate picture of ourselves. Churches are like that. Christians are like that. Families are like that. Businesses can be like that, although they're motivated by money, so sometimes they think these things through a lot more than, than Christians do in the church. Like Nehemiah, we need to tell them that the, the way things really are, the way things really are, and how their testimony for Jesus Christ is, is affecting the problem. It's hurting the situation by their, by their problem. So, you see, none of, none of us responds to a situation to change unless we see a need. We, we don't, unless we see that there's a problem, we're not going to change. We're not going to change. It happens in families all the time. 
where perhaps a couple should go for some counseling. They don't want to go because they don't see, at least one doesn't want to go because they didn't see or she doesn't see that there's a problem. When you see that there's a problem, you'll do something about it and, and change. So that's what Nehemiah did. He said, we have a problem. You're very comfortable. You're used to it. But I'm telling you, there's a problem. You see, you, you must be motivated along spiritual lines. If, if you're a believer, not the external motivation or of material benefits, that will, that will uh, maybe work for a little while, but that really won't do the job. Nehemiah didn't promise any prizes to which family builds the quickest. You know, you get your name here. We'll name this wall after you. If you if you do this, uh, he he didn't do that. He didn't offer any material benefits. He just said, God is being mocked. Let's arise. Let's work. Let's do something about it. Let's rebuild the wall. That's that's the thing. There's a spiritual motivation for the glory of God. That's why churches ought to change. That's why churches ought to be open. That's why families ought to be open. That's why Christians ought to be open to these things, because it's for the glory of God. So like Nehemiah, we need to awaken others to their real need. But notice how Nehemiah did it. Not only did he say we have a problem and it's for the glory of God, but notice he didn't put them on the defensive. Too often uh, you wonder why people are a little defensive when you approach them. Uh, He didn't cast blame. He didn't criticize them. Notice how verse 17 reads again. Then I said, you see the bad situation. Notice he says, we are in. Not you are in. We are in. See the bad situation we are in. He said, come, let us rebuild the wall that we may no longer be a reproach. You see what he's doing? He's identifying with the people. He's not coming there as an outsider saying, you guys have been in trouble. And it's you. He's one of them. He's not an outsider telling them to get their act together. Otherwise, they might have said, who is this guy? Who does he think he is? He hasn't even lived. He's been here three days. Three days. Who does he think he is? But that's the way some of us approach people. It's just common sense not to do this. And you run into negative reactions when we make suggestions because we come across like outsiders who are professional critics. Professional critics. Rather than we're in this together, it's our church, it's our ministry, it's uh, it's for Christ's sake, and, and we can do something about it. It's not, you've blown it. How many years have you been here and you've let this go on? No, you see the difference? Nobody wants to uh, do anything then because you feel defensive, you feel threatened by that. But look, it's, it's our ministry, it's our church, it's our family, it's our work. Let's do it for the glory of God. But there's more. Whenever people are awakened to their need and challenged to change, there's still a tendency to say, it can't be done. It's too difficult. We see the need. I see it now. You've helped me to see it. But it's beyond us. We've already tried that years ago, and and it was just a horrible failure. Horrible failure. Now, that's obviously how the Jewish people felt. Because in verse 18, Nehemiah anticipated this and responded to it. Verse 18 says, I told them how the hand of my God had been favorable to me, and also about the king's words which he had spoken to me. Then they said, let us arise and build. So they put their hands to the good work. Now it becomes, let us do it. Nehemiah has said what we need to do. Let us do it. What was he doing? He was assuring them that God was in this project. It's not something he came up with. It's not something that he just thought about. God had put it on his heart. God was in this. God had been leading him. And he said, let me tell you what God has been doing. So in other words, what he was saying is he gave them hope and encouragement by assuring them that, the, that, that God who had been working in the past leading him was going to continue so that it would be finished. 
That's, that's just very exciting. He turned their attention uh, away from the enormity of the problem to the enormity of God's power. And he said, hey, God has been leading me. It just makes sense that he's not leading me for nothing. He's leading me. Look at what he's done. Look at the circumstances. Look at his leading. Look at his provision. We ought to carry this through. When you approach people with new ideas, tell them what God's been doing in your life. Tell them how he's been leading you. And I think for those of us who listen to people's thoughts and listen to uh, projects and things that they have, we need to do what Proverbs 18.13 says. We need to not answer quickly. We need to hear them out and we need to hear what God has been doing because if God has been leading, we don't want to oppose the work of God. Very, very important. So they said, what are we waiting for? Let's arise. Let's rebuild. Let's go. We're ready. So how do we take on an overwhelming task? Number one, anticipate opposition. I hope you're, you're going to do that. Number two, analyze the situation. Number three, awaken others to their needs. But there's a fourth and final step is affirm your confidence in the Lord. Affirm your confidence in the Lord. Verse 19. But when Sambalat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official and Geshem the Arab heard it, heard what? That the people were going to rebuild. They mocked us and despised us and said, what is this thing that you're doing? Are you rebelling against the king? Three leading uh, people now strike out or enemies strike out to discourage the people. So just as the people said, yes, we can do it. There is Satan who comes in and here's the specific opposition. What were they trying to do? Discourage the people, demoralize them, accuse them of rebelling against the king. Don't you remember he wrote an edict that said, don't do this. Are you rebelling? Listen, it's a fact. As soon as you step out in faith, expect the enemy to, to come upon you and to try to discourage you. He's going to criticize you. He's going to do it by pouring cold water on your zealous heart. Someone's going to tell you that you shouldn't be doing what you know God wants you to do. That just happens. So it's a fact. So... What do you do when you're in that situation? What do you do when you get criticized? What do you do when you have someone, perhaps is a lot older than you in the Lord, and perhaps is very condescending to you? Oh, we tried that years ago. Yeah, wouldn't work. Uh, what do you do? What do you do? Well, you do what Nehemiah did in verse 20. So I answered them. Now, note, he didn't debate with them. He didn't get into an argument. I answered them and I said to them, the God of heaven will give us success. Therefore, we are his servants will arise and build, you have no portion, right, or memorial in Jerusalem. It's a spiritual thing. It's for us. We're going to do it, and God's going to help us. Nehemiah affirmed his confidence in God. That's what he did. He affirmed his confidence in God, and that God would give them success. And they were simply his servants carrying out his orders. See, don't take it personally when someone criticizes you. They may have meant it personally, but don't take it personally. When someone criticizes you for attempting the impossible that God is leading you to do, remember that it's God's work. It's God's leading. And God will give success if this is what he wants done. In other words, you don't want to have your own personal agenda. You want to have God's agenda. And when you're on God's agenda, whatever they criticize you, that's all right. Because God is going to give you success. You are acting as his servants, not taking matters into your own hands. Don't, get, don't take it personally. Don't get defensive. Don't get uh, uh, into a bad attitude. Uh, don't have bitterness. If God has led you, then trust him to continue to give you success. And get your mind off of the criticisms because those will eat you alive. Paul said in Philippians 4, he said, verse 8, think on the things that are true and the things that are worthy of praise. Dwell on the fact that God has led you. God will do it. Otherwise, you, you are going to be very, very exasperated. Just don't dwell on the accusations. 
dwell on God's faithfulness. You don't have to defend your actions. It's not your work. If somebody, a Christian has a problem with it, you say, well, you, you speak to the Lord about it. This is how God is, is leading me. So what have we learned today? When you take on a task of overwhelming proportions as a remover of mountains, number one, anticipate opposition. Are you doing that? Are you doing that? Maybe you're in the midst of, of really starting out on something really exciting and fresh, and uh, you were enthused until maybe a few weeks ago or recently, and then you've had opposition you know what? Instead of being discouraged about it, thank God for it. Thank God for the opposition. It just proves that you're right where he wants you to be. And persevere. Persevere. It won't always be like this. If you, were, if you were not in God's will, then it would be easy. Then it wouldn't have opposition. Because you are in God's will, don't worry about it. But move on. Secondly, analyze the situation. Think them through. Be prepared. Don't just state problems, but solutions. If God's leading you, then you do your homework and analyze the situation. That's human responsibility. Have a well-thought-out, uh, prepared plan. Number three, awaken others to their need. Help them catch the vision. Do you put people on defensive by being negative? By being negative? How could you do this? How could you let this go like this? No, we have a problem. We have a problem. And God's not being glorified in this problem. So we need to do something about it. Show them their need. Don't let people be too comfortable. And your family, show them their need. Talk about it. Communicate it. At work, do this. But especially in the church and ministry. And motivate them for God's glory. Now we have to get the biggest Sunday school class. Now we have to uh, bring more money in. Now we have to show them that it's for God's glory. And finally, affirm your, your confidence in the Lord. If God is leading you and you're the leader, then others are going to look to you for confidence in the Lord. Be an example. He's the one be behind this, not you. It's not your ministry. It's God's. It's not your work. It's God's. It's not your plan. It's God's. You're just a servant. So these are very, very practical things, but you have to put them into practice. You have to apply this to your life. This has been a wonderful study for me because I've often been frustrated with uh, people turning down what I thought were just brilliant plans. Brilliant plans. Genius plans. But nobody else saw them that way. And looking back, they weren't even that brilliant. But uh, I've, I've experienced frustration on this. And, uh, and I've learned from this. And I, and I hope that you will. So we want to take a few minutes now, as we bring this together, we want to take a few minutes to be silent in the Lord's presence. What is he speaking to you about today? Let, let's close our, our eyes. And be still before him. What is he speaking to you about? Have you been discouraged? Have you uh, quit doing something that you know you should because of opposition? Something that you need to get back on track with? As we've said before, the book of Nehemiah is not just for leaders. It's for everyone. The same techniques we saw Nehemiah use to encourage the inhabitants of Jerusalem are available to us. We can use them to motivate the people around us, or we can use them for our own encouragement when the opposition starts to get us down. We are glad you joined us today for Verse by Verse, a Bible class of the air taught by pastor-teacher Steve Kreloff, the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. These radio versions of his messages are produced by Verse by Verse Ministries. We're a faith ministry, thankful for the gifts and prayers of our listeners. If God is speaking to you about helping us keep these lessons on the air, you can learn how at our website, versebyverseradio.org. 
you'll find not only information about the mechanics of supporting verse by verse, you'll also find helpful biblical principles of stewardship. Besides that, we have today's program and hundreds of previous ones available in MP3 format. Our web address again is www.versebyverseradio, all one word, dot org. Today's program was the conclusion of a three-part message, the fourth message in this series about Nehemiah, the man and the book. If you would like to hear the entire message on cassette or audio CD, give us a call at 727-239-0306. If you get the answering machine, just leave your name and a daytime phone number so we can call you back during business hours. The number once more is 727-239-0306. There was a Dilbert cartoon not too long ago in which the pointy-haired boss called for Asok, the intern. Apparently, with all the swine flu going around, the boss was concerned about the effect of a pandemic on their business. He told Asok that he was putting him in charge of pandemic contingency planning. He said to Asok, Calculate the impact on our business if 50% of our employees are unable to be productive. Asok replied, That's twice as good as we're doing now. For a lot of businesses, that is probably the sad truth. But I find it especially troubling that the situation is far worse in most churches. One reason for that inefficiency is that we are not as careful as we should be to see that we plug the right people into the right jobs. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.